Let's bow for a word of prayer, and then we'll get going. Heavenly Father, man, what an honor it is uh, to be in your house this morning to just uh, to share your word and to be with a group of folks, Lord, that I know love you so much. And uh, Lord, we know that at the heart of so many of our problems in life is just pride. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning that you'll help us to realize the power of pride and that we can overcome that by just surrendering our lives to you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. As Becky alluded to here just a few minutes ago, uh, we're going to get into an Old Testament guy who's probably the most, if he's not the most well-known in Sunday school classes, he's pretty close, and that is Samson. Uh, Every little boy grew up in Sunday school wanting to be Samson, Uh, and um, it's just an awesome story. But there is so much more to Samson than just uh, the sidekick Delilah, because you always associate Samson and Delilah but man, there is so much more. There are so many layers that we need to get in this morning. So take your Old Testament book, uh, turn over to book number seven, flipping through the Bible, and you're going to get to the book of Judges. And we're going to look at Judges chapters 13 through 16, a summary of the life of Samson. Let me read this quote from Erwin W. Lutzer, uh, who is the minister at the historical church Moody a church in Chicago, and here's what he said. Samson reminds us that God often gives his people a second chance. When we fall, we can either fall backward or forward. That is, we can learn from what we have done and lay hold of the goodness of God. No one who falls is ever beyond God's forgiveness. Now look at that last line again. No one who falls is what? Beyond God's forgiveness. So we're going to get to the heart of Samson's problem, and it wasn't just wild women, and it wasn't just Delilah. The heart of his problem was pride. Pride. All of us at one time or another know what it's like to battle pride. All of us do. Uh, There's a minister, maybe some of you heard the name Bob Russell. Bob Russell was a minister for 40 years at a huge church in Louisville called Southeast Christian Church. Now, as far as Christian churches, independent Christian churches are concerned, Southeast is probably the largest. Give you an example of how big Southeast has become. Uh, They now have at least two, maybe three multi-sites. And for the Easter weekend, they had somewhere around 50 services at all of those campuses. And when they added up the attendance for all of those, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 70,000 people, okay? So Bob Russell was the guy that kind of started that church from about 100. So needless to say, as the church began to explode, it's pretty easy to get a big head. Uh, Goldie Hawn, I probably didn't think I was going to mention Goldie Hawn this morning, but Goldie Hawn said when she was a little girl that her dad used to take her to the ocean and say, I want you to look out at the ocean. Now, when you get too big for your britches, you just remember you're not that big a deal. And we need to remember the same thing. There are times in our life we need to remember we're not that big of a deal. But Bob Russell, uh, at the height of his, I want to say fame, but at the height of this church explosion down in Louisville, he received a letter to serve jury duty. So he went to a buddy and goes, man, jury duty, I've got so much going on. And he said, what, do you know anybody that you can call in a favor? Because Bob, you do have a lot going on. He goes, you know what I do? I'm going to call Judge Thomas Wine, good friend of mine, and I'm sure I'll get out of this thing. And so he's pretty confident. 
So he, he called in and, Judge Wine, this is Bob Russell. Bob, good to hear from you. He said, well, I just got a letter here that I'm supposed to serve jury duty. Long pause, the judge said, I believe every American should serve jury duty. And he said, well, Bob, that's why I called, because uh, just need to know what time I need to be there. You know, all of us, all of us have these times in life that we just need to be reminded that we're not all that. And that is the heart of Samson's problem. Matter of fact, we're going to look this morning at what I would just call some traits or characteristics of pride. Here's the first characteristic of pride is it's the idea of entitlement. That simply means it's not about me. Follow with me in this text, Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. If you're taking notes or you like to highlight in your Bible, highlight that phrase, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. That is the book of Judges. They go through this cycle time and time again. So the Lord delivered them in the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, that you do not eat anything that is unclean, and you will become pregnant, and you'll have a son whose head is to never be touched by a razor, because the boy will be a Nazarite. Now, let me give you the guidelines for a Nazarite. When they say your son will be a Nazarite, three things to, that would set him apart to be a judge and to be a leader. Number one, he would never drink any wine. He was never to drink any wine. Number two, nothing unclean would go into his mouth. He would never eat anything unclean. Now, other scripture says that part of that being unclean was you were never to touch anything uh, that was dead. That was part of the whole process of being clean. And here's the other one is never cut your hair. Now, we know from Samson that his strength was what? In his hair, okay? So he was never to cut his hair. Now, as I was reading through that text, I'm like, wow. I wonder what that, as Becky asked, what it would look like for some of our men here if they never cut their hair. I mean, I wonder what some of our guys here would look like with Samson-like hair. So we put together a little presentation. Is it spiritual? Absolutely not, okay? But we're going to show this for you guys. And there's no coming back from that. Okay. If you're a visitor here this morning, I'm sorry. Okay. Now, I want you to think about what Samson was dealing with and his pride that swelled up. He knew from an early age that, that there was something special in his life. Psalms 10 says, pride takes our eyes off God, and it leaves no room for God. And Proverbs 8.13 said, God hates pride. Matter of fact, if you were to go through Scripture, you could put together what I would call a pride hall of shame. It starts with Satan. It goes through Cain. King Saul, Peter, Paul, and Samson. And the list goes on and on with really men and women who literally were out of control because the world revolved around them. How many parents or grandparents have ever uttered those words to your kids or grandkids? The world does not revolve around you. My kids got so sick and tired of me saying that, and the child service number is on the refrigerator. If you need to call them... 
I'm, I didn't say I'm always a Christian father. I just said, you do whatever it takes. But all of us need to understand that we all, at times, battle this right here, that the world seems to revolve around us. And when we start to enter into that world, watch out. Entitlement is a bad, bad thing. Because I love what Romans 12, 6 says, that we're all uniquely gifted. See, the incredible thing is God can take any gift or any talent you have, and if you give that back to God, you can help countless people. That's what I love. It doesn't matter what it is. God can work through you. Let me give you a couple of quick examples. We have a, a group at Sherwood Oaks East, a group of women that just love to sew. And so they started sewing little baby blankets, and they take it to the women who've lost babies at the hospital. So here they took a gift, things that they love, and as a group decided to help someone who is probably as in pain to the depth that they've never experienced before, but yet there's somebody there with their loving hands that did something about it. Years ago, I was at a conference, and one of my heroes of the faith, who's a youth minister named uh, Iaconelli, Mike Iaconelli, and uh, he's passed away since, but Mike Iaconelli said years ago, he said he had a pretty big ego, and he said he was exhausted, he'd had this conference, he said this, this good old boy came up, the ball cap, flannel shirt, and a slow-talking southern accent. He said, Brother Yacanelli, I just love what you had to say. And in his mind, he's thinking, dude, seriously, I have no time for this. And he goes, I, I like kids. I really do. I've done a lot of really neat things. And he said, yeah, you know, I bet you have. He said, well, I'll tell you what I like. I love CB radio. How many remember the old CB radio days? Yeah. And, and so he said, uh, I've, I, I didn't realize that boys love CB radio. So he said, I, I started buying all these parts, and he said, I started giving it away, and he said, I started raising up all these kids that love CB radios. I've got 40 kids now that are on these CB radios, and every Tuesday night, we get together, and I just tell them about Jesus. What do you think about that? He said, I just wanted to shrink down and say, I think I'm a jerk, and I think I'm standing on holy ground. That's what I think. Because he took something he loved and he said, what could I do with this to bless somebody else? That's what you do with your gift. God has uniquely gifted everybody in here. Don't you dare say, I don't have anything I can give. I wish I could do something for God. He's gifted you. Everybody here, you need to know that. You are gifted. And God wants to work through you. And you can do amazing things when you give it back to God. Here's the second reality about pride is that pride leads to rejecting the, the old biblical ways of life and walking away is what we begin to do. We reject the biblical ways. It's a sign that we see constant. Samson's strength. Let me just take a moment to share with you my opinion about his strength. Um, I think what set him apart was not that he was ripped. I just don't think he walked around and he was just muscle-bound and everybody goes, that guy's a freak. What I think was he looked like us. He was just a normal-looking guy. But yet there was these amazing acts of strength where people go, where did that come from? I believe that because I think it came from God's Spirit. When God's Spirit gets in someone's life, amazing things can happen. Let me just brag on you for a minute. Folks have asked me sometimes, can you explain what's going on, on the West Side? And I say, I have no idea. I honestly have no idea other than there's just times I'm like, I can just sense God's spirit moving. 
Amazing things happen when we're willing to just get out of the way and let, let God do what God does. Now, all of us understand in our world and culture how so many times we've kind of strayed what I think away from what I would call the, the relevance of Scripture. Let me give you an example of TV and how we've kind of strayed. Uh, there's a censorship on TV. Did you know that? Probably not, because I don't even know if it exists anymore. In the 1950s, Lucille Ball could not use the word pregnant. In the 1960s, on the Brady Bunch, it was the first time that a husband and wife were in the same bed. And do you remember what the big controversy was on Gilligan's Island and I Dream of Jeannie? That you could see their belly button, and they had to cover it up. In the 1970s, all in the family, it was the first time that a toilet was flushed, that you could hear it. And in 2004, I know nobody saw this, but there was a little thing in the Super Bowl called a wardrobe malfunction. Did anybody see that? Yeah, nobody's going to raise their hand. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. We actually, you, you will believe this, but we actually had this great idea that that year we showed the Super Bowl at the church on a big screen. And we were actually, I missed it. You're going to think I'm lying, but we were downstairs eating, and this guy's fiance called and said, did you see that? He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, oh, you know what I'm talking And he goes, my, my fiance is like mad, like something happened. And we're like, well, what happened? Well, you know what happened. But I want you to think about how big a deal that was, 2004. Think about that. And then you think about how the limits just keep getting pushed and pushed and pushed. See, we need to remember that people, if they're not careful, they do that with the Bible. They say, you know what? That's so old-fashioned. I mean, is that really relevant? Is, is this relevant in 2017 when it was written so many hundreds of years ago? How do these old rules apply to me today? And that's where we need to step aside and say, this is the living word of God. The same words that changed the lives of countless people when Jesus lived are the same words for us today. Every one of us can be changed, but we got to get back to the old way of life. we got to get back to saying, this truly is a relevant story for our lives. In the good book, the author says this. I love this from page 17. It says, my hope is that you'll quickly realize that the terms biblical and real life aren't opposites, but they're synonymous. The Bible is important, not because it's an ancient document, but also because it enables us to meet the eternal God in the present moment. Don't you love that? That when you pick up this ancient writing, it's for us today. It is relevant today. It is life-changing today. It's the inspired word of God today. It's for everybody in this room. I want you to think about the accomplishments of Samson and what's sad is what he could have done had he completely turned his life over to God. It starts by killing 30 men with his bare hands in chapter 14, verse 19. And then he took 300 uh, pairs of foxes. Now, how you do this, I don't know. And he uh, lit them on fire. Uh, it's a good crowd breaker. And then it says that he turned them loose in the vineyards, over 300, and burnt down all of the fields and the vineyards for the Philistines. Then he killed over 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He dismantled the Philistine city gates. And then his final grand finale was he, as you know, he tore those pillars down and brought down the house. Over 3,000 Philistines died. That's pretty impressive credentials. But what if he'd had his act together? 
I mean, what if he'd have done everything as he led with God? What could he have done? So let me share with you, to me, the most devastating aspect of pride. Is pride allows us to be reckless, and we begin ignoring the warning signs, and eventually we can reach the point of no return. In Judges 16, we know the story. You've heard it as a child time and time again. He meets a prostitute. Uh, I think Becky said that she was tricky. So he's a tricky little lady, Delilah. And as he met Delilah, uh, and it's interesting how he's always pursuing his passions in life. And isn't it interesting, the very vows that he made, he broke every one of those. Uh, we find out earlier he comes to his parents, and he said, I've met a woman from the Philistines. They said, do you think you should be with somebody from another tribe? And he's like, it's my life to live. And then you remember where they caught him? He had wandered away. Where was he? He was in the vineyard. And why was he in the vineyard? Because he wasn't supposed to drink wine, but he wants to get as close as he can. And the other thing was, don't touch anything that's dead. Remember what he did? He killed a lion. What's he do? He goes back. There's honey in the lion. Reaches in, takes the honey out of the lion. What's he doing? Touching something that's dead. He does everything he can just to get as close as he can to the danger point. What's the last thing he hasn't done? Well, it's his hair. So he meets Delilah, and she said, well, I just want to know. I, want to, I love you so much. You know, will you tell me the secrets of your life? You know, the whole thing is just a joke. He said, well, First of all, why don't you tie me with seven bowstrings? Not dried, very specific. And the Philistines show up. He beats them up. It's a great Schwarzenegger movie. It's great. She comes back a second time. You know, you disgust me. You hurt me. Tell me the truth. He lies one more time. Just get new rope that's never been used. Same thing. He breaks the rope, beats up the Philistines. Third time, he said, if you'll just tie me up with seven braids of my hair, weave it into a loom, and then attach it with a pen. That'll do the trick. Once again, he defeats the Philistines. But did you notice on the third one what he told her? Did you notice what he mentioned? The hair. He's as close as he can possibly get to telling a lie. He's as close to the fire as he can possibly get. You ever been there? Like you've got away with it a few times. You haven't got caught a few times. And you get as close as you can. You get as close as you can. We do that all the time. And then ultimately, he tells her the truth. He never assumes what's going to take place in chapter 16, verse 20. One of the saddest verses in the Bible. And then she called Samson. The Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and he thought, I'll go as before and shake myself free. Now highlight this phrase. But he didn't know the Lord had left him. Whew. Think about that. Think about the times in your life, and I think about the times in my life, that I just was walking so far away from God, I just sensed that God was like, I'm going to let you get caught. I'm going to let you go down a trail you should have never gone down. I'm going to let you experience some things you never dreamed. Because here's the truth. All of us in this room know this. We can all determine our actions, can't we? Every one of us. But what we cannot determine is what? Consequences. Not one of us can determine that. Samson thought, oh, what's the big deal? Well, they'd been waiting forever to capture Samson. And when they got him, they gouged his eyes out. They humiliated him. They did everything they could to destroy him slowly. 
for all the agony that he had caused them. We know that in life, when we get to that point, life can be devastating. But here's the good news. God never gives up on us. Some of you may have come here this morning, you're like, man, if you had any idea of the mistakes I've made, some of the terrible decisions I've made, do you really think God can still love me, forgive me, and use me? And you know what the answer is? Absolutely. Man, we serve a God of second chances. And I got to be honest, that's a pretty big deal. I thank God that he's given me second chances. I hope every day you realize he's given you second chances. And in the people that you don't like, that you don't think deserve a second chance, guess what? doesn't matter. He gives them a second chance, too. No matter how far down the road you've got away from God, he's always reaching out to us. But we need to understand something very real. He wants us to give our lives back to him, all of us. He needs to know we're willing to come back to him. I do love the story of Samson, how it finally ends, because as you know, um, he's in a prison cell, basically, he cries out one more time. He said, God, if you can give me my strength one more time. I mean, I know what life is like without you, and God gives him the strength, and what does he do? He's tied to the pillars and literally brings the house down on the Philistines, over 3,000. It's interesting, the Bible makes this point. It says he killed more people in that one event than all of the other Philistines he'd killed all the previous years. He finally got it. Think what we could do if we'd say, God, uh, I love you because of second chances. I just want to draw myself to you. The other day I read a story. It reminded me of Friday night, to be honest with you. I don't know if you saw, uh, I don't know how many of you got caught in that storm. Uh, that was a freakish storm. Uh, and it was, I was coming home from a wedding reception. Uh, this is how dumb I am. So Marie's in front of me, but I can't see her because it's raining too hard. So I call her to, you know, to say, you shouldn't be on this stretch of road. But she was in front of me. And so that's that had been great if she picked the phone up and that's you know she would die. But anyway, she she didn't pick up the phone, which is a good thing. But the lines are falling and then it just the trees are falling. It was just crazy. I got home and I, I went online and I saw the weather channel. I had had a story out of I believe it was Brownsburg that the house got hit by lightning and immediately caught on fire. And it made me think of something I'd heard years ago that was um, just heartbreaking, but, but ended well. It was a family that had a, a game plan in case there was ever a fire in their home. And as you know, especially if your kids sleep on the second story, you should have a, an emergency ladder that you drop down. So if there's a, a point of escape, they know to get out of a window, they can get down the ladder. And everything was fine, except everybody went where they were supposed to go. And the, the boy, about eight or nine years old, went out exactly like he was told, but he, he was getting the ladder and the ladder fell. So the dad's in the yard looking up, and he sees his eight-year-old son screaming, and he said, you got to jump. And the little guy's like, I can't jump, because he couldn't see him. He said, Dad, there's just so much smoke. I can't even see you. I love what his dad said. It doesn't matter if you see me. I can see you. You just need to jump. I think that's God. I think there's times in our life we're like, oh, God, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, hey, you just jump. God, I can't, you don't, I am so screwed up right now. You can't, no, God's like, I can see you. I know you think that I don't, but I see you. I don't just see the things you've done wrong. I see you the way that you can be. I see you as my child. Just go ahead and jump. Maybe some of you this morning, that's where you're at, man. You're like, I, I just don't know what to do. And God is saying, why don't you just put faith in me 
because no matter how far you think you've gone, I'm right here. I am right here. Man, if Samson would have realized that, think what he could have become. Think what you can become. You'll just lean in and say, God, I'm all yours. I'm absolutely all yours.